This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an interview for you about cheese. An interview plus tasting. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, all right. When we were in the Asheville area last year, goodness, was it so long it ago? It was a long time. Heck, um, we visited Looking Glass Creamery, which is out in Fairview, North Carolina. It's a dairy farm and cheesemaker. Yes, and... It was wonderful, and oh, we got yeah. to wear hairnets and these, like, <laughs> lab coat-looking things. It was the coolest hairnet I think we've ever received. And we've had some hairnet experience <laughs> at this point, <laughs> we and have. we took a very goofy picture together. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we got to see some making of cheese, and we got to eat some of the cheese that we saw the process of making. Yeah, it was it was wonderful and loud and very warm. Um, it was it was the most up close and personal I have been to the making of giant heckin' wheels of cheese, and oh, it was it was wonderful. Um, yeah, we we spoke with Jen Perkins, who is the co-owner and cheese maker there, uh, about the making process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We kind of hid away in this little like. 
cold closet space. Oh, we were all in a line. Yeah, I, I got I got so warm that she saw like I was I was just sweating buckets, and I think she started to notice my eyes kind of glazing over in the middle of the interview. And she was like, "Would you like to see our cheese cellar where <laughs> it is several degrees cooler than out here, where it is really heckin' warm?" And um, I was so grateful for the opportunity to like, not faint. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Jen was amazing, and then yes, afterwards, um, Sean Stanley, their retail manager, who is also a certified cheese professional, which is like a sommelier of cheeses. Huh. Uh huh. Yeah, he guided us through the tasting of, uh, of of a board of their cheeses, and in classic Saver style, we were like, "We we like them. These taste good. These are all great." <laughs> no further comment. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we said a couple more interesting things than that. But Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I think we did. And one of the things that uh, we found interesting about Asheville at large is uh, how many people kind of work together. And one of the most popular cheeses um, from this dairy farm is um, Chocolate Lab, which they use at— well, they work together. With French Broad Chocolates, who we also had an interview with yeah. while we were there. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they use cocoa nibs on the rind of the cheese, and mm-hmm. it is— so good. It is. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. And so without further ado, we will get to the interview and the cheese tasting. Come on in. Yeah. Well, I about all the noise makers, so um, oh, it's going to get a little hot in here probably pretty oh, quick. But no problem. Or hotter, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you want me to give you a little orientation of what we're making here? Yeah, which is So this is our Verwallo cheese, which is a, a, a Good Food Award winner for 2018. It's an Alpine style, and Sean, our certified cheese professional, can tell you more about sensory characteristics. But in terms of production, part of what makes it an Alpine is we cook the curd really warm. You can see on the control, it's 120 degrees. Um, and this is a raw milk cheese, too. So we started pretty late today at 10 a.m. It's 2 o'clock, and we're ready to scoop, which is an awesome bonus of raw milk cheese is that the process goes a lot faster. But um, being an alpine cheese, we want it sitting in a body of warm whey so that when we take that curd out and scoop it in, it knits together really quickly and um, becomes a soft, pillowy mass. Um, so cooking it as fast as we did, and then we'll also press it, that's gonna yield a long-term, like a drier style cheese, um, but it still has some flexibility in the paste and it's, um, but it's really, I think as a raw milk cheese, it gets a lot of where our milk is coming from, kind of grassy nuttiness, you get a lot of character. Uh, and once we get into our new cage where we can really age it out where it needs to be at six, eight, or 12, or even 18 months, it transforms every couple months, every time we try it. So we're excited about that. Um, but uh, yeah, so do you have questions about this? What we're doing right now is draining the whey to the level of the curd since it is pretty warm. Then we're gonna start pretty immediately scooping the curd into these wheels. So you came exactly at the right time, a very exciting part of cheese making. Um, and, uh, and we'll fill these up and they'll hang out in here. We'll press them in the whey uh, with a small amount of weight. We'll flip them and then we'll press them in our press for a longer amount of time overnight. Um, but yeah, so what questions can I answer? Um, is this a traditional process that you kind of, I, how, how did you guys arrive at this specific process that you're using? That's part of what makes an alpine cheese is that um, it is pressed underway, is what they say. Um, so a lot of times they'll scoop the curd and put it back in the vat and have more whey than we have on this table. But this is what works for us and it yields a really nice cheese. And um, so that's kind of the nice thing. Every place you go, they're going to do it a little bit different, maybe tweak the traditional part to, become, to come to make something that is of their own. 
So we fill up our draining table with whey, so it's probably a third of the way up the molds, but it's enough to keep the curd super warm and the lids we have sitting in the way so they stay warm. So it still retains that extra heat, which makes that curd really knit together and have a dense paste. So, do you, do you, Sean probably has some things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. So she said Alpine style cheese that's uh, made in the same way as those cheeses from like the French and Swiss Alps, like Gruyere or Comte. So it's, and the point there, like why we want a really dense cheese is that we're taking the cows up to the top of the mountain and then eventually we're gonna bring the cheese back down. So they wanted to get this really compact, dense, collection of nutrients that were in the milk because they're gonna have to eat that the rest of the winter and then bring the cows back up in the spring oh, wow. so that's how they came to this process was yeah. they wanted to like get as much stuff out of there oh, sure, yeah. and into the cheese as they could because they didn't want to carry like yeah. you know fresh cheese you would just have truckloads of that to take back down yeah, yeah. they could have these really dense compact wheels it weighs a lot less when you oh weighs oh, oh sorry you can't see but to speak to sean's point is uh, this curd is really almost like rice grains even smaller it's really tiny and curd, um, you know, from a, a softer cheese is gonna be much bigger. So we've cooked this and cut it really small to force that way out to help make that dense paste that Sean was talking about. So, and you can see too, it like, you, just with hand pressure, it's so warm, it comes together in a mass really easily. So, um, so yeah. So we're gonna start scooping now um, and filling up these molds. Go ahead. Do you mind if I scoop and you can tell these guys about Harmon Dairy and kind of how that came to happen? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so we use like, and I think part you're talking about this kind of culture of food here. We use French bread chocolate, their uh, cacao nibs on the outside of our chocolate lab cheese. Oh wow. Um, and so I think there's a lot of businesses um, in town, food producers who try to work with other food producers. Like we're making the base for um, Sugar and Snow Gelato, which is a gelato company here in town. Um, and then I just, um, you know, you're going to rhubarb tonight. John Flair is one of the premier like supporters of local and he buys so much local cheese, not just from us, but from other producers and other, you know, vegetable farmers and meat farmers. And that is the important part, I think, in the link is these people. It's more expensive for a chef to do it. It takes more of their time um, and takes more energy. And for those people like John Fleer, who do it in such a sincere and committed way consistently all year round makes a huge difference in the culture, in our ability to survive. Um, and there are others in Asheville. And Asheville just has that passion for it and lots of restaurants are supporting it. But um, but yeah, a little bit on our background. I don't know if you want too much of that. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. So uh, we were an artisan cheesemaker, meaning we were working with uh, farms and buying milk and bringing it here to our creamery. Uh, we're just a few miles outside of Asheville. What's going on? A few miles outside of Asheville, and we only have two acres, so we didn't have room for animals. But we started working with a dairy down in Polk County. It's a second generation, uh, two gentlemen who have been farming it all their lives, were born and raised there, and they want to see the farm continue. And a lot of dairy farms this time, this, at this point in time, are going out of business. And so they approached us about the possibility, would we consider buying the farm? Um, and it was a, they have beautiful rolling green pastures, an amazing herd of cows, and we just didn't think it was possible. But they had a commitment to continuing on as a dairy that they helped make it possible. We had some other friends come on board with us and uh, who helped us buy the farm. And now we're transitioning. Uh, into the new space, uh, which is underground aging cellars. We have 1,300 square feet of that, 2,100 square feet of production space, and it'll really change. We're gonna change from a traditional dairy to a seasonal. So we'll be making cheese and milking cows uh, only seven or eight months out of the year and try to, so all the cows will be on the same lactation. You can start to work with the milk in a different way. 
where different seasonality can come through in a way that we haven't been doing. We've kind of made the same cheeses all year round. So we're really looking forward to embracing that. And I think being here in Asheville and having those people and restaurants and customers that appreciate and can really see the evolution and why that matters and what that means beyond you know, the transaction at the counter is pretty exciting. And I don't know how many places around the country we could be and get that kind of support to do what we're doing. So. Yeah. Uh, what kind of flavors do you guys get out of your out of your cows that you think are specific to to your herds or your dairy? Yeah, and I think right now we're making one raw milk cheese, and that is our bear wallow. And I think um, so. Polk County is located in what's called the isothermal belt of the Appalachian, so it's between the mountains and kind of the Piedmont, the flatland. And so it's warmer there. There's a longer growing season. Um, and, uh, and it's milder, so uh, you get you know, really lush, rich pastures and grasslands, and I think a lot of that comes through the milk and how these animals are managed. Um, and we're gonna try and intensify that too with the shift to seasonal, but also moving the cows, um, and because right now they're being turned out on 144 acres pretty much, but we wanna break that up and try and push them into, and maybe plant some different grasses. But I think it brings grassiness through, that you can definitely, some meatiness and some, uh, that you just really don't get um, from a pasteurized cheese. And I think it is specific to our farm a little bit, um, but anyway. Maybe not. Yeah, so, so our current, and I can show you, facility is a 10 by 10 room above ground, um, you know, and very lots of cheesemakers do it that way. But all of our cheeses are being aged in that space. So that means our wash rind, which needs a really humid environment, and this cheese, which wants a drier environment, and our cheddar, which is closer to the drier environment. They're all in one space. And when you try to make everybody happy anywhere in life, no, nobody's really happy. So we have four cellars that are dedicated. We'll have a cheddar cave just for the cheddar and, and this bear wallow. Then we'll have a red cave where we do our wash rind, our kind of stinky uh, cheese with chocolate from French Broad Chocolate Lounge. And we think that having that higher humidity, being able to control it specifically for that cheese, um, and uh, you know the temperature too, really being able to dial it in exactly, um, will make a big difference in kind of our consistency and quality of the cheese. And we can really emphasize more of what we're going for uh, because some of the things that you want to come through don't come through as much as you'd like because they're in the wrong environment for aging. So being able to provide that specific situation, also having the space to age it out. Right now we're aging in the small room and we just can't hold on to stuff for very long. Um, so uh, as, it, as we evolve and fill those caves up and hopefully can get things out six or eight or 12 months, uh, the, just the character will really become much more prominent than it is right now. Um, and it's still good cheese, but uh, it will be even better. <laughs> we have some more of our interview for you, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! 
You're happy and you know it. San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Let's get back to it. Like, she's making the South is a little bit behind um, other areas like New England and California. And I feel like we're kind of on the front end of these people coming forward to do things in a more traditional way beyond just making cheese, but really paying attention to the seasonality of the milk and the process and really getting into the deep science of cheese making to make something really spectacular. So we're excited about that. Um, but and we've had a lot of connections with a lot of different people who've been fantastic. Um, you know, in terms of giving us guidance on cow maintenance and cheese and help and phone calls and help and why, how, how do we do our aging cave and there's been a lot of resources too that have reached out. So I feel like there's a community behind us locally and wider that, that wants to see this succeed. So oh, That's amazing. It's more, uh, yeah, uh, everyone keeps talking about how little competition there is. Uh, I would disagree with that. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean in a bad way. I think competition is a good way, in a very good way. Um, you're not going to make the best product you can make if you're the only one in the marketplace. So I think it's very healthy to have that competition. Um, and maybe they mean competition in a, you know, friendly, or, yeah, whatever. And I think people are friendly, and I think that, um, for the most part, you know, you always got a bad apple. But um, I think that competition is critical for for forcing everybody to do the best job they can and be efficient as farmers or cheese producers and try and provide good quality, well-raised and maintained food at a fair price. And if there's no competition and you're the only one in the marketplace, then that's not gonna happen. So I think competition is good and I think there's a lot of it in Asheville. Um, you know, there's six, eight cheesemakers right here around Asheville, which is, you know, that big of a town but then again you look at Vermont and there's like 40 in the same area so there's lots of room for more competition too just actual competition but I think it's good and I think everybody is kind of we're all in this together kind of attitude so so competition that way good <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. <laughs> um, were, uh, did you want to keep hanging out? Yeah. I just try to cool Yeah. Off. Oh, no, thank you. As you guys well know, thank you so much for. Ooh, and these, this is happening now. <laughs> so now Sean's putting the lids on, and we'll begin to put cutting boards on them and press them in that way to get that texture. And one thing that you could do right now, Sean, is take a lid off, and you can easily flip one of those to show them like how quickly sure. the. Even though normally we would press it some more, but um, uh, it should be. We'll see. <laughs> In another like five minutes after this part has been had the chance to sit in the way, it will be like a you won't even be able to see the the outlines of the curd. It'll just be a solid pillowy mass of curd. Just five minutes. Probably another five minutes after a little pressure on them, just because there's so much heat in here. That's not typical. Like the cheddar curd is so hard, and you salt that in the vat, you have to put a ton of pressure. Like it takes hours to get to that point where it's just a solid mass. But this, because of the process takes a very short time to reach that same point in the process. But that's the awesome thing too about cheese making, you know, most of the recipes are relatively similar, but you have little tweaks here and there, temperature changes, hold times, introducing water or not, washing the curd, and all of that can make a drastic difference in the outcome, you know, so pretty amazing. Uh, you were talking a little bit about the uh, about the science of cheese and, and how uh, everyone is getting kind of into into the nitty-gritty of that. Is that a thing that you're starting to geek out about personally? Uh, definitely. I think, um, you know, in this environment where we are as a small cheesemaker, we've been here for 10 years, and we kind of didn't have the luxury of, and the facilities and the opportunity to really do it in a way that you could really break it down and get down to those finer points and be, you know, really testing each batch to the point where you know you can detect notes and having your whole staff do it and really understand where your cheese is and how it's changing. All of that is just where we're getting to the point of being able to do that um, and really get acquainted with it as it changes and understand what's happening when it does change. Um, at this point, we're just happy to make cheese and not uh, lose our minds and get it out the door. So more space, the right kind of space, um, uh, the staff and the opportunity to sit down and evaluate what you're doing and reflect on it in a way we just haven't had the time or the opportunity is going to be a huge leap forward for us. So we are excited about geeking out more about the science of it and kind of developing making a decision on a cheese like we really like this but we really like to dial up some element of it and how do we do that is that a process or a you know different culture or you know at a point at eight of aging and making sure it gets to that point so that's where i think our cheese making goes from really good to great um but and we try to do you can hear people out there laughing um we try to make people have that experience when they come here is that you know you can buy good cheese all over Asheville. But to be able to come here and talk to somebody who maybe makes the cheese and they can ask these kind of questions about what's the process and how does it happen, how does it work, where's your milk come from? I think that's the whole story I think of, of local food is that in this interconnected world of you know your cell phone and being plugged in all the time, there's a kind of a lack of real connection between people. And I think this is a framework where people can be a part of a community and be see that what they're doing and buying makes a difference. It's not just something they ordered off the internet. Um, and that, that you're connected to a person who, who did this thing from cows who you can go look at them in the field and there's no mystery in what we're doing. So uh, 
that's the cool thing I think about local food is that it's as much about community and building community and connections between people as it is about actual food. Um, so anyway, anything else? <laughs> Uh, we, we've been we've been talking to a lot of people about how Asheville has been changing over the past few years, um, and and specifically in connection to like the the, the beer scene. I mean, you said that uh, you guys you guys source nibs from French Broad uh, chocolates to to rind one of your one of your cheeses. Do you have any other kind of interplay between other places that are going other things that are going on in town? Like like do you draw inspiration from them? Do they draw inspiration from you? Uh, I think definitely uh, we've had, you know, different chefs say, hey, could you work on something like this? Um, you know, we do try to incorporate other local uh, products in when we can into the cheese making like the nibs. Um, you know, working with Sugar and Snow Gelato where we're making their base, I think there's a lot of that um, evolution uh, that's an interplay that can definitely happen. And it's both, I think the explosion of the beer scene in Asheville is in some way, it's definitely a blessing, but it's also a curse. I mean, it's brought a ton of people here. It's a great place to live, so I understand that. Um, and it means more customers for us, but it also means that this you know, world, little world of Asheville is changing. Um, and uh, it's a lot more traffic, it's a lot more people. Um, housing is an issue. A lot of things are happening around that that uh, make it kind of difficult. And it also makes it hard to farm because it makes land very expensive. So that thing that brought people here, this local food connection, beer scene and whatnot, not so much the beer scene, but some of that may go away because they can't afford to be here anymore. So that's kind of the downside, um, some of the downsides of that development. But it is a focus on a great area where it's a great place to live. But back to your original question, yes, I think it does open up the door for so many uh, interconnections between different businesses and for people to really get creative with food. And hey, how can I, I love this brewery, how can I use their beer in my product? And I know people are making like shampoo out of beer and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So, um, so yeah, and beer also brings with it money, so that's nice. <laughs> we, all, we all like money. <laughs> yes, they do us. How did Carmelita happen? Well, um, we had a lot of people coming to farmer's markets, tourists, and they're saying, oh my God, I want to bring some of this home, but and we all had, we only had cheese for them to take. And they're like, but I'm gonna be on a plane. I don't wanna deal with that. So I started to think about, well, what would be a product, a dairy-based product that could be shelf stable that I could get them and say, okay, well, this, take this home with you. And that's how, a little bit, how I had heard of, um, you know, the traditional cajeta, the goat's milk caramel sauce. Now we make a dulce de leche out of the cow. Um, but uh, it's, it's just really, it's a nice, rich, savory kind of uh, caramel. It's thick um, and, it, and it just doesn't have, when you go to taste that and then you go back to doing like something off the shelf at the grocery store, um, there's just no comparison in terms of just the simplicity and the purity of what's in there because it's sugar and milk and we cook it for 10 hours over a flame. Um, but we, we came to it as a means of being able to sell something to somebody who couldn't travel with a perishable. And, but it became such a popular product, we just kept making it. So, And I love it. It's great. Um, good in your coffee. Good as a dessert. Good just on a spoon. So. Uh, can I ask how, how you guys switched from, uh, like how and why I suppose, from uh, goats to cows? Yes, we, uh, we started out as a goat producer only. We were buying milk, uh, 50 gallons, one time a week from a goat dairy in Statesville. We were able to source a little closer as we got, people realized we were here and we were looking to buy goat milk. Um, and uh, our, the goat milks, and then we started also buying cow milk. So pretty early we were doing both. Um, uh, goat's milk for production is about twice the price or more than cow's milk. So there's the cost issue. 
Um, there's availability issue. There's not very many. Most of the people who are goat dairies are using all their own milk, so there's not very many people selling it. There's only one uh, in the area that was, and they were kind of deciding to phase out. There were some consistency issues, and we just said, and at that very same time, I think it was kind of the universe talking to us, uh, the Harmons said, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, buying? We were looking at expanding anyway, but buying this dairy. And that's when we, when we decided that this was, looks like this was going to happen, we made that switch fully and committed to cows 100%. Uh, which I, I really like. Um, I would like maybe as we develop in the farm, as a destination develops, that we may add back a small herd and just make small amounts just to sell from our stores. Um, but, and we'll have a store up here which will stay and then we'll also have a store down the farm. But both of those we want to try and emphasize kind of the experience and whatnot. But yeah, um, it was both, both we have to change, the cost was a factor, and um, we had this opportunity to switch over to cow and so we did. So. Um, and were you only recently able to start doing uh, a raw milk cheese? We've been doing uh, a raw milk cheese for four or five years. So, uh. did, did the, what, was there a legal issue? I, I know that in some places there's been legal quandary about uh, yeah. pasteurization. There's a lot of issues surrounding that and a lot of controversy in the cheese world. There's a lot of debate uh, from the regulators uh, down about what raw milk should be pasteurized. Um, now, this one of the reasons I'm comfortable making this, and we chose to make this a raw milk cheese, is because it is a hard-aged cheese with a low moisture content. You know, it can happen anywhere, um, but if you have a pathogen, it really likes a moist environment. And some of those higher moisture cheeses, um, right now, until we were really like dialed in and know everything about our milk, uh, I wouldn't even attempt to make a raw milk cheese of that style, um, like, a, like a gooey washed rind that I love. Um, that's just barely getting to 60 days before it's almost aging out. Um, you know, with less sugar and less moisture in these harder aged cheeses, it's a lot less of a risk. Um, so there is a lot of debate. You've always, in the past 10 years since I've been doing it, you've always been able to make, as long as you age it 60 days, it's kind of a blanket rule. But there are people who are advocating that it shouldn't be a blanket rule. It should be based on moisture content, but then there's the issue of how do you implement that kind of change. Um, so, so we do make this, we have made it for a while. We may add one of our blue cheeses in as a raw milk cheese, but, um, but I think very carefully about that and, you know, both safety and, you know, making sure that we are very informed about every step of our process and our milk and having it analyzed before I would even think about making a riskier class of cheese or raw milk cheese. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, bacteria are responsible for all of this, but yes, not all of them are great. <laughs> yes. Bacteria makes it all happen. And, um, you know, it's why cheese can happen. It's such a great environment for bacteria. And usually that's all good. And you control that process for the good bacteria and have markers along the way to make sure you're meeting those food safety goals. But it also makes it a good environment for other things to happen if you're not controlling things very carefully. So, yeah. Um, is there any kind of cheese that you guys are not currently producing that you really want to get into? Uh, well, we just started um, and we had to manage it in a very different way because we didn't want to bring it into our aging room here. We have a dedicated aging room down there for blue cheese. So we developed a really lovely, unctuous kind of creamy Cambazola style blue. And then we want to have a second blue that's more your sweet, crumbly kind of, so two very different kinds. So that's what we'll be working on developing. We have the, the unctuous, you know, lovely blue, and then that different texture, we haven't started working on that. Once we get into the new facility, we'll do that. So that style, we're gonna really focus on 
uh, doing. And then um, and just really dialing in the Alpine style and the cheddar. And we're adding ice cream production down there eventually. Yeah, so a lot of people come in and they have their kids and mom and dad want a wine and cheese plate, but the kids want an ice cream cone. <laughs> so we want to be able to provide that. And because um, again, that's part of just that destination, but yeah. Do you have a favorite? Is that like asking if you have a favorite child? No, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I like uh, just, it depends on what you're using it for. You know, if you're just gonna sit down and have a glass of wine and a little crusty bread, definitely go for the blue cheese. Um, you know, if you're gonna shave it onto a salad, I might even go with Barwalo or something like that. Uh, you know, if you're gonna melt it, it just depends. I think it's more about, you know, what you're using it for versus a favorite, but yeah. There's so many to choose from. It's such a huge world of cheese out there. <laughs> it's overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. I definitely have that moment, like, freak, like whenever I go to buy cheese, like where I'm just standing in front of it and I'm like, Oh no! Oh why? Oh why am I here? That's why the cheese melder is important, and and especially for small artisan cheese, you need that advocate there at the retail point, and who can talk about it and explain it and understand where these cheeses are coming from. Especially these new American varieties are emerging and may not have like this whole, you know, 300-year history behind them. Um, to have that passionate person talking about it makes all the difference when you're standing there, and and then it also helps you kind of get out of your comfort zone instead of I always buy brie or whatever, you can try something else, you know, so, yeah. And Sean's really good at that. He's super excited about cheese. <laughs> yeah, you're totally bored by it, I can tell. He's like, oh, okay, come on, we got work to do. <laughs> In a different way. He's much better at talking about it, making it sound very exciting. I'm just excited. <laughs> um, uh, how did you get into making cheese? Uh, the animals brought me into making cheese. I really wanted to be involved in agriculture. Uh, wasn't very good at growing things. Really didn't want to do the meat side. I'm not opposed to that. But um, And then I started fooling around just at home and really kind of fell in love with the process. In a way, I used to do a lot of baking. It's kind of a lot like baking in a way. Um, and just your rise time and your proofing and adding your yeast, whatever. Um, but anyway, so we did that. I did that for a little while. And then I thought, well, I need to really see if I want to do this. So I apprenticed at a goat dairy in Southern Virginia for six months, milked goats, made cheese, delivered it to the store, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, and I wasn't being paid, so if you can work that long, work that hard, not get paid and still be happy at the end of the six months, then I think you found something that you want to do. And then from there, I just built on experience and took classes and talked to consultants. And you know, then I started as a cheesemaker at Blackberry Farm and milking sheep and making cheese over there. And then it was time we either need to commit to doing this ourselves and building our own program or, or staying somewhere and being committed. And we felt it was time to just get out there. So here we are, we built this building for this, pro this purpose, not really knowing, all we had finished was this room. And then, and then everything else is just kind of been pieced together. But um, it, worked, it worked out. And when we started, the inspector said, do not get started unless you have a milk source, because I didn't have anywhere to even buy milk. And within like two weeks before we were going to get licensed, the inspector of all people called me and said, well, there's a guy outside of Statesville who needs to sell some goat milk. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I had faith. <laughs> so that's how it started. And then we just built from there. But uh, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But I love it. And that's the exciting thing too, sorry, is that coming back full circle to the animals. Because, you know, I started out with goats and working with goats and I've worked a lot with sheep and with horses. 
Um, and then I got away from it for the past 10 years since I've been stuck in here making cheese all the time. So now we're back to the farm. Uh, we have our own herd. We're managing that and getting into everything about that from birthing and calving and moving animals around and you know, growing them at different stages and understanding what they need and being hands-on and outside in the weather, I love. So it's good to get back to that. And uh, I didn't really realize how much I missed it. So for me, that's, that's the kind of the fun piece. And then this is the, the creative, exciting piece to see what you can make from, from those animals. And that concluded our tour of the production facility. We do have that tasting reel for you, and we will get to that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And to the tasting. Um, so let me tell you what's on the plate. Please. Fromage Blanc, so we're kind of going in order of age. Fromage Blanc is our fresh cheese. Uh, so Jen maybe talked a little bit about that transition from doing goat and cow's milk to just cow's milk. So this is a great, it's basically made the same way as Chev. 
so it's a fresh cheese but made from cow's milk so trying to introduce that but it's also it's a great cheese because we can make it really quickly turn it over cash flow etc um, also really delicious and then we've got some strawberry rhubarb jam made in waynesville just on the other side of Asheville. then we have a little feta um, so again traditionally a goat or sheep's milk cheese that we've kind of taken that recipe and applied it to cow's milk with some honey chocolate lab uh, kind of our signature cheese. Jen talked about that one. You guys went to see French Broad? Yeah. Right? So this is coated in their cocoa nibs. Oh, wow. Uh, washed rind, a little bit funky. Drover's Road is our cheddar. And then Bear Wall is the one you guys saw being made down there. Oh, wow. So that is that product uh, that you guys saw about three and a half months later. And so Jen talked a little bit about sort of the new aging environment and how those are going to impact what we're tasting. Uh, so the chocolate lab is just going to have a little bit more moist environment, be able to really kind of blossom, get a little funkier. And then these two, so you're about two and a half months and three months. Love to see those in like eight, nine, ten, twelve months. So we're super excited to see everything go. So yeah. sorry, that was a lot of info. No, that's no. A lot of info is the very best. Um, you're doing you're doing my job for me, which I love. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, did you guys, so please enjoy, do you guys have any other questions about cheese itself, what we're doing here, or? Um, do you have a, do you have a favorite part of the process that you nerd out about? Um, the whole, because everything's so different, I think the whole process, it's just crazy to me that, and you guys are going to try everything on this plate, is the same three ingredients. It's bacteria, milk, and salt. And just through like process and the right environment and taking care of it and putting it, you know, treating it in different ways, you get five completely different flavors. Uh, so it's so cool to see like this liquid milk come in and then go into the vat and then like, I don't know, four hours later, it's this whole new thing. And then four months later, it's this whole new thing and 10 months later. So I think I nerd out about just the alchemy that happens uh, just through, you know, you were taking this ancient, essentially this ancient thing that people came up with for preservation just being able to keep that going and just yeah I kind of marvel at like how people came up with this as a way to preserve your milk like I think I would not have done that I would have just dumped it down and just got new milk the next day but it's such a cool (laughs) um cool like historical thing with so much significance historically that we're able to like keep that going and I just love every part of it why Asheville why this area why these cows why the cultures that you use um are are you that's a really big question. I'm sorry. That is. There's a lot of... I think for, for us, for company-wide, I think... Um, I just love that majority, the majority of the folks that live here are sort of you know here for a reason. There's this communal part of nature. Like, they love... That's, nature and the environment are definitely, like, part of what Asheville makes Asheville Asheville. So I think anybody that really chooses to live here is going to at least have some connection to that. Like, it's not... And not that one way is wrong or the other, but like it's not like living in a big city for sure. But it's not like living in the middle of the woods. So it's just this sort of connection with people and the environment and nature. Um, so I think that's why it's really cool for us to be here and be able to share that with people that are really into it. Uh, is there any kind of cheese that you are interested in getting into in the future with the company? Yeah, I think we saw a lot of success when we used to do goat's milk and we do some soft ripened like blimmy rind stuff. Like in the like Loire Valley or like Brie, things in the Brie or fresh French goat cheese uh, family. I think those are super popular. They're also cheeses that are, you know, small format. People know them. People love them. Um, so I think there'd be something, you know, down the road once we get all of our stuff under control. Something that I'd love to see us kind of get into. Um, but I'm pretty excited about the wide, like you're going to, 
you're gonna taste that these are pretty five pretty disparate flavors. And I'm, I think it's pretty cool that we're able to do that in just one environment, in one room. And I'm excited to see where that goes just with what we have and really increasing the quality and consistency of all of those. But someday, like something really gooey and kind of spunky and ugh, it's my favorite kind of thing. I, that was gonna be my next question, yeah. Well, I have a, was it, what was my favorite? What's your favorite, yeah, oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, it changes all the time. Like, you know, I'll have like a taste for something someday. I would say like the overreaching, this style, so Gruyere, those things that are just really dense and savory. I like, in every aspect of my food eating life, like savory is the thing. Like some folks like sour, some folks like sweet, like savory. I just want things that are just like, ah. So I think that general family of cheese, but also I love the sort of gooey and a little bit funky, and I love the fresh, and I just love, I think there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, it changes from day to day. Right now, I just tried the Bear Wallow. I think it's great. It's only two and a half months old, but it's amazing. And I'm so excited. Like, I taste that and I'm like, this is great. But then I get to think about in a year, we're going to have this amazing space that's built just for this cheese that we're going to be able to see it really reach its potential. So there's an emotional side to that one, I guess. But yeah, that's my favorite right now. Cool. Yeah. Is that a curiosity? Are you from this region? No, this is not a North Carolina accent. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I'm, just uh, so I'm from uh, northern Indiana, kind of like Gary, kind of on the other side of the border from Chicago, so up in that area a little bit. Yeah. What brought you here? So I went to school in Michigan. That's where I kind of fell in love with cheese. I went at an internship at a really cool little specialty store where I went to school, and then moved to Nashville, got a job with Whole Foods. Um, Worked in the cheese, started just cutting cheese and then started buying cheese. And then I moved around, opened a few, or worked for a few stores and then moved to Asheville to open a store in 2014. Yeah, 2014. So I came here um, and it was awesome. Like I got to do so many cool things for that company and learn so many things. They paid for my certification, which is incredible. Um, and then I just got to know Jen and Andy. And then once they bought the dairy farm, kind of, we just talked a little bit. And then came on board and like was super like it's such it's like the ideal opportunity and the ideal time to come in and like be a part of this amazing thing and transformation and super cool. There's a really great like community of collaboration in Nashville. Everyone we've talked to so far has kind of spoken about that. So it is kind of cool. Like I don't think that's I don't I mean I guess the beer community is pretty much always like that and that's such a big part of Asheville. So I think I think like percentage wise it's such a big part of the. Uh, quote-unquote artisan community here in Nashville that I think that's sort of bled over and people are more open to collaboration. I feel like that's not always the case everywhere you go. Um, so I think that's very something I think that we're grateful to the beer community is like they're so open to helping out with each other and lifting each other up um, that I think all the restaurants and all the uh, cheesemakers and all the just the little producers are all about working together and figuring everything out and not, you know, more collaboration, less competition. Um. I also love like this whole, it seems that, I love that people are excited about cheese. Like consumers are excited about how you make your cheese and that they know where the cows are. And that, like, I love that the consumer is kind of becoming more connected to the product. And uh, I just think that's really cool. I do too, and I think it's, you know, it's been happening for the last like 15, 10 years. Where do you, where do you guys live? Atlanta. 
Atlanta. So, I mean, you've seen, there's a lot of, you know, Star Provisions down there has been like, they've got an awesome cheese counter. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, artisan cheese has just become this, and it's kind of grown with all other sectors of the food. Like, I think beer was, wine was huge. You know, that became much more in the consciousness and then beer and then cheese. And I think it's just kind of a rising tide situation. I mean, I think that's just generally sort of in the zeitgeist of, you know, people and their eating habits. Um, but for us that we're like putting in all this work and like you said, it's sweaty back there and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, especially I'm for me, I do like not nearly as much work as Jen and Andy, like hauling milk and building this new thing. I'm like working so much, but to just be able to like connect with people that really care about what you're doing and appreciate it and then keep coming back and sharing that story. Um, and I think that's not only like financially going to be really great for us, but also like spiritually, like we're going to be able to, you know, be a part of this thing that matters to people. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, guys. Well, please eat. Okay. I'm here if you have any more questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, there, is, is, is there anything else that we should have asked you? Oh, God. That we have oh, not? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll just ruminate. It's yeah. Sort of a dairy joke. Um, oh. Hello. <laughs> and let me know if you need anything else. All right. Cool, well, guys. Thank Thanks. you so much, Sean. I'm just going to start grabbing stuff. Yeah, make a plate. Yeah. Okay, what one are you tasting now, Annie? I don't know. The one that we just saw being made, and it looks completely different after three months. Is it three months? After a little aging. I think it is only three months, yeah. Firm. Very savory. Yep, it's good. That's my review. (laughs) (laughs) Annie, I love your food reviews. Because with Annie would just be like, mmm, good. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I'll have more. Welcome to my mouth noises. Um, I feel like I'll have more to say about it after I try other ones. Um, but it is really rich. Um, and it's got. The cheese is a little bit yellowed. I suspect that after it's gone through a little bit more aging, um, the beta carotene will really come out from the, uh, from the wee little fat particles in there uh, and turn it a nice deep orange because it's it's got just a just a twinge of of just that like like deep savoriness that you get from like an old aged cheese that just tastes like it's almost mouth puckering and how savory it is like you, you just want to drink it with a red wine you'd want to drink the cheese with a red wine yes. that's what you want to do yeah. this is why we're rolling put it in the wine what, what else did you just try? This one? Well, this is the one they're known for. The chocolate, the nibs are from the uh, French Broad, French Broad Chocolate Factory. Um, so it's a coating on the outside, and it is very unique and very good. I can see why they are known for it. The texture is much softer than I thought it would be looking at it. But it's got a nice, like, almost cheddar, but, like, much milder and funkier kind of thing. Mm. I just tried a piece of the cheddar um, and it's so smooth. It's, I We've talked a lot about dogs on this trip as we usually do whenever Dylan and I are in a room together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like the experience of eating this cheddar is like the experience of petting a soft dog. <laughs> like a nice golden retriever. Um, yeah, it, it, and it is, it is so striking how different, how different they taste. Um, I know it sounds obvious when you think about it, but 
um, it's so much sharper than the Gruyere style. Oh, that is so funky. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's soft. This one. Um, I, I just took a bite of the um, the one the one with the chocolate nib with the with the nib. Oh. And that one, the chocolate didn't hit me until the very the very back of the bite of cheese. Um, which provides a really interesting finish because the upfront is just all of this like it, it's like drinking a funky beer like it's it's just like funk and mineral and weirdness like you can taste the cave. <laughs> it's a taste the rainbow, taste the cave. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean that they need to trademark that. They do. I I don't know why we're not literally everyone's marketing team. We would be the best at it. Mm. Oh, and I don't remember what this was supposed to be. I think he said... It was just like a soft ripened... Because that one was like this their chevre, mm -hmm. and I think... Feta, it's feta. Mm. That is absolutely the texture that I am experiencing. Mm -hmm. Oh. That is so good, and it's and I, it has a little bit more funk than I feel like feta usually has. A lot of fetas that I've had, it's sort of like clean and bright, and like maybe even a little bit lemony. But what I'm getting from that is this very cow-like kind of funk to it, which is real nice. Yeah, it's got a good like almost curd-like springiness. Yeah. It kind of squeaked in my teeth. Yeah. Which I liked. <laughs> I think I mostly just tasted cracker right there. <laughs> this one's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you think about. It's good. I might still just be tasting cracker. I'm trying to figure out what I've got. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, the fresh cheese that they have on here, or least aged, I think it's a Fromage Blanc style, um, it's almost more of a texture than a flavor. It does have a little bit of that like bright lemony kind of thing that I was talking about, the feta not having. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I want to layer it with like macerated strawberries. It is really good with the strawberry rhubarb jam. Oh. <laughs> I haven't tried anything with the jam yet. Oh, I've, been, I've been wasting my life. Come on, Lauren. Oh, that's high quality. Yeah. That really brings out the acid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are good. Mm -hmm. I like it. <laughs> we like it. <laughs> that brings us to the end of our interview plus tasting experience. I hope that <laughs> no one's so furious they can't try the cheese. But oh, uh, you can try the cheese. You yes, can, you can buy their non-perishable products online year-round, and their cheeses during the colder months at uh, AshevilleCheese.com or uh, just Google Looking Glass Creamery. They'll they'll pop right up. One of the things that you can buy year-round is their Carmelita, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which we never got to try, and I forgot to buy a jar of, and I'm so mad at myself because it's like a dulce de leche thing. If that wasn't clear during the interview. Yeah. And, oh, it sounds, I love a dulce de leche. Well, you can. I can. Purchase one I should. for yourself. Oh, yes, you should. <sighs> yes, you should. Um, yeah, they they were such a delight to talk to you and uh, any chance to 
Try Cheese is a wonderful oh, yeah. day in my book. <laughs> yeah, and and also I I um I really connected in in my brain when when I was reading through our interview transcript recently. We had just done that Gruyere episode, and mm-hmm. so talking about the style of cheese where you're like, it needs to be this type so that when you are marching cows up a mountain and then marching cheese down a mountain, you can handle all of that. And I was like, oh, it all connects. It does. It does. Anyway, if you have any cheese stories to share with us, goodness, we would love to hear them. Oh, you know we would. A local creameries, perhaps? Oh, Yes. <laughs> and you can share those via email at hello at saverpod.com. You can also get in touch via social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.